Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Marjorie Pabst, host of Caregiver and Physician Conversations, sponsored by eCareDiary.com. I'm the co-author of Enrich Your Caregiving Journey and the author of a newly released book called Words of Care. You can find that on Amazon.com, on eCareDiary.com, and on my website, MyCaregivingCoach.com. The purpose of our show is to provide practical information for all of you out there, both professional and family caregivers, particularly on how to have those meaningful connections with doctors and the medical community. Today is no exception as we continue our series of discussions on the Affordable Care Act, which of course impacts all of us. And I'm pleased to welcome back our expert, John Mills. John is the co-founder of eCareDiary.com, and he spent a lot of time in his career working on health care issues, and he spent the last two years working on the implementation of the Affordable Care Act. So we are pleased here in January of 2014 to bring you an update on the act and to answer some of those frequently asked questions that we know you have. Please call us today with your questions at 347-857-3399 or lodge them on the website, and we'll answer them later in a series of blogs or other radio shows. So welcome back, John. It's terrific to have you back on the show. Thank you, Marjorie. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I tell you, let's start here with your overall assessment of the Affordable Care Act. We all know it had a bumpy rollout. So what has that meant for people seeking health coverage over the past few months? Well, it certainly has had a bumpy rollout. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And that um, has created a lot of confusion for people. So you know, um, they were encouraged to go and log in to healthcare.gov on October 1st and the website didn't work and they couldn't sign up and there were lots of news stories out there about all the problems. So I think that the main thing it did was create a lot of confusion and in effect what had to happen was they had to do sort of a reboot and relaunch the, the whole website. And that seems to have gone better. Uh, there was actually a report yesterday that came out that 2.2 million people have signed up for coverage through the Affordable Care Act since uh, through December. So those numbers are actually quite encouraging. Uh, yes. So I think it means that people have gotten through their problems and have not been, um, shall we say, sort of scared off by the issues with the rollout. However, um, the numbers are definitely lower than, I, than the originally anticipated numbers. I think they were hoping to have about 3 million people signed up by the end of December. So it yes. definitely had an impact. Yes. And I know that uh, people are uh, still questions about the demographics of those numbers. And I'm assuming that as we go forward that we will get more clarity on just who those people are. Um, I see today that... You know, we know now that 55% are women, 46% are men, and so a few of the demographics are rolling out. But um, 
Are you anticipating that we'll get more clarity here in the next few weeks? I, I do. I think the other thing that's going to happen is that there's a lot of focus on the number of young people who sign up, so under 35. Um, yes. Some of that, to be very honest, is a little misplaced in that the law has quite a few, shall we say, safeguards to protect against um, adverse selection by having a, an older population sign up. There are things such as risk adjusters and risk corridors and reinsurance, the three R's that they're known in the insurance industry, that you know, really will help sort of minimize the impact of some of the older and potentially sick people signing up at first. Uh, but you know, over time, the pool needs to be a little bit more representative of the uh, general population. So I think they're actually off to not a bad start in terms of the uh, young and healthy people who have signed up so far. Uh, and I think yeah. there are enough safeguards in there that, that to protect the, um, uh, you know, keep the rate stable for a few years. It doesn't get talked a lot about in the news. It's pretty technical. But that is definitely, uh, there are definitely things there to protect for that. Great. So you're uh, you're you're um, feeling pretty good that the odds are that the law will eventually work its way through all of the difficulties and uh, become a staple in our in our lives. I you know I guess I'm feeling about as good as you can. I mean mm-hmm. these rollouts never go smoothly. Um, yeah. and it's just kind of the nature of them. So if you go back to Medicare Part D, for example. I think everyone forgets now. The first year was very bumpy. Uh, there yeah. were a lot of problems. I mean, there have been articles about the fact that the uh, what people call Romney Care in Massachusetts had a pretty bumpy rollout in the first year as well. So I don't think this is unheard of when you're launching something new. And frankly, having worked in the private sector for a sizable part of my life, it's not as though the private sector is immune to rollout problems on new products either. So, you know, I think yeah. time will tell. But certainly yeah. the second launch makes, is somewhat encouraging, shall I say. That's great. That's great. Well, you know, we hear um, a lot about state exchanges versus federal exchanges, and I know you've spoken about that on our, some of our previous shows. And so I'd like for you to go back and explain the difference and how it impacts people, if at all. Um, you know, we, we hear about the two. But when it just rolls out to the ordinary person out there signing up for health care, does it really matter or, or should caregivers and their families know those key differences? Um, yes, they should. And, you know, not all exchanges are created equal. So about 16 states have created their own exchanges, and the other 34 are um, part of the federal exchange. Uh, the rollout has actually gone much smoother for the most part in the states. Um, ironically, yeah. Oregon, which has been really a leader in sort of expanding coverage over the years, has had a lot of problems. Uh, but other states, um, New York, um, Colorado, Kentucky, have all gone very well. Uh, not okay. very many glitches, much higher enrollment. Um, so I think that that is, is important. Um, People on the state exchanges may also find that they're, um, frankly, from what I've seen, the exchanges are what I would call a little bit more robust, meaning that they have 
more services for people who are signing up and things along those lines. The federal exchange mm-hmm. is pretty bare bones. But in the end, the functionality of being able to choose a health plan and sign up for a health plan uh, exists in all 50 states. And for people yeah. who they don't know whether or not they live in a state with a federal or state exchange, just go to healthcare.gov and it, it will direct you either it'll keep you on healthcare.gov and direct you to your state or it will automatically redirect you to your state exchange. Okay. That's great to know. Um, so when we hear about the 2.3 million who've signed up, that is only on the federal exchanges. So these other 14 states, if we you know, added them all up, we would be talking about more than 2.3 million people who have signed up so far. Is that, would that be correct, John? That, that is correct, and we don't have the numbers from all the states yet, so we don't know what that number looks like. It may actually get not too far from that $3 million that they were hoping by the end of the year. Uh, yeah. We'll know um, probably in the next week or two. The states do have to report at some point how many uh, have signed up. But the state exchange enrollments have generally been much better than the federal exchange through, through, um, throughout. Right. Well, you know, there was a lot of publicity back in the fall about the need to sign up before December 23rd in order to have coverage for January 1. Does this mean that people who did not sign up by that date cannot get coverage for 2014? There seems to be quite a bit of confusion about that as well. The answer is no, not this year. So in the first year of the law, they're having what's called a six-month open enrollment or sign-up period. Uh, mm-hmm. And it ran from starting in October. It runs all the way to the end of March. So if you miss that Jan- December 23rd deadline for January coverage, you can sign up in through most of January for February coverage. You can sign up in most of February for March coverage and through the end of March to get coverage in April. So people still have an opportunity to yeah. sign up if they're um, interested, um, if they're uninsured, and mm-hmm. uh, they're interested in getting coverage. So what I'm hearing you say is that um, what matters, I guess, is what I'm hearing, is that you can still get coverage, although you may not be covered right now in January if you haven't already signed up. So there could be very well a gap or no coverage for you at this moment if you didn't sign up back in December. That would be correct. So if you've yeah. not signed up, if you're not signed up, you're not covered right now. But that doesn't mean that you can't get covered. Now, the exactly. thing that you, the thing that's very important here is that if you don't sign up by March 31st, and you don't have what's called a, um, a qualifying event, so you lose your job and you lose your health insurance coverage, or you you know, turn 26 in the middle of the year and are no longer covered on your uh, parents' coverage, or you get married, or those types of things. There's a there's about ten things that consider a qualifying event. If you don't have one of those and you don't sign up by March 31st, you cannot get coverage again until um, basically January 1 of the next year. So you basically get locked out for the year. So that's okay. very important for people who are thinking about signing up. There is a limited time to do this. Okay. And uh, those uh, 10, you said, qualifying uh, situations, where uh, would a caregiver and a family um, find those 10 qualifying? Would they be listed somewhere, John? 
Um, they would be. They would be um, on the healthcare.gov website. Uh, um, so the, that is where you would find them. Uh, if you just go to the healthcare.gov website, there's a frequently asked questions, and I believe it is under the frequently asked questions. Okay. There's a okay, whole host great. of them. I don't remember them all off the top of my head, but there's, there's some yeah. kind of very key ones that most people go through. Yes, exactly. Okay. Well, you know, we've talked, uh, I guess you and I have talked maybe three times back last year about the impact of the Affordable Care Act on family caregivers. And uh, given what has happened in the last few months with, yes, the bumpy rollout that we all acknowledge, um, do you think it will help or hurt caregivers here in the short run and in the long run? This is kind of a two-parter. So, well, I think that overall the fact that people are going to have, people who have not been insured for whatever reason, they haven't been able to afford it, they have had pre-existing conditions, this is something we don't talk a lot about, but a lot of people who do not get coverage through their employers can't get them because they have what's considered a pre-existing condition, which means that they, you know, it, it can be something as simple as the fact that you had um, some kind of a childhood cancer. That can be considered a pre-existing condition, and prior to January 1st, you could be turned down for uh, insurance coverage for that reason if you were an individual purchasing. So I think the fact that, you know, a lot of these things have, these barriers have been taken away, it's overall a positive. Uh, of course, you know, there are always things that people need to be um, taking into consideration. I mean, there's... Um, Obviously, there's always the cost of insurance, so you have to find out what you can afford and what coverage you need. I think the other thing that's very important for people to think about is um, the network, so what doctors and hospitals are in the insurance coverage that you're choosing. A lot of people make the mistake of just looking at the price and not yeah. realizing that a lot, you know, it's like anything else. Um, you know, when you buy a smaller network, you get a lower price, you know, just, you know, and so... Um, I think a lot of people don't really think that through, and so that's a very important thing for people to look at as they're purchasing insurance. But I would say overall, because we know that there are a substantial number of caregivers who quit their jobs to care for their loved ones, it's probably a positive. Okay, great. That, you know, that's a great tip. Don't just look at the price, because there's a lot behind the price. And uh, to pay $10 more per month, may afford you to be in a little bit bigger network or have an advantage of, of being with uh, the doctor that you're currently with or uh, any number of things. So that's a really good point. You know, uh, John, I often think about people who, um, and of course more and more of us are getting more and more computer literate these days, but I think of the person maybe in their 70s or 80s who is somewhat unsure still about getting on to healthcare.gov and, and navigating their way around the site and figuring out what's going on. Now, I know that they're on Medicare, but if they're looking for someone else, let's say they're, they're a primary caregiver for somebody younger than themselves, or how, what, what kind of support or what kind of advice would you give to any age person who um, is reluctant to or somewhat unable to access um, the site in a in a confident way. Well, generally there are eight hundred numbers that you can call okay. when you're um, 
So there's an 800 number to go um, on the website, or um, you can actually call uh, Medicare, and they will connect you. So if you don't have access to a computer, things along those lines, you can obviously go and um, you can obviously go and get the number that way, and they'll connect you in. But there are people. There are also people called. Um, they're basically advocates out there who will help you sort of navigate the whole process. And the law actually provides funding for them. So that's the other option you have is to go to one of them. They're usually with community services groups. So there are quite a few places that you can go if you're not computer literate and you, or you don't feel comfortable doing this on the computer. You know, uh, you know, a lot of people um, may not feel comfortable making the final choice on the computer and may want to speak to somebody. So again, they can call the 800 numbers to do that. Yeah. You can also enroll directly. Like if you're currently covered through a health insurer and you like it, you can call them up and they can enroll you. That's another option. Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of telephonic and what we might call low-tech uh, methods <laughs> for enrolling in, the, um, in insurance through the um, uh, Affordable Care Act. That's great. That's wonderful advice. That's great. Um, and for our caregivers listening today, I just want to remind you, if you've just tuned in, that um, this entire show will be archived on eCareDiary.com, on my website, MyCaregivingCoach.com. So uh, please start at the beginning if you are just joining us. I want to stop here for just a minute and see if we do have any callers on the line who would like to ask John a question. Anyone out there today? <clears throat> okay. Well, here's a question that um, is an in intriguing one. Um, a person who lodged this on our site. The question is, what do you think the future holds for the Affordable Care Act and health exchanges now that the law is fully in effect? Um, well, that's a big loaded question, John. That's a so big. you can just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really sure. Wow, I'm not sure where to start, Marjorie. Um, wow. Um, well, um, um, you know, well, I think I think it's interesting um, that you know, there's been a lot of obviously opposition to the law, and there's a lot, and a lot of confusion out there. I think that now that the law is actually truly fully in effect, and there have been a lot of pieces of law that have been in effect for a number of years that people have been very happy with. So, for example, the ability to stay on your parents' coverage until age 26, uh, yeah. the fact that it closes the Medicare donut hole in the prescription drug program. Those types mm -hmm. of things have been very popular with the public, but they don't necessarily attribute it to the law. So I think that now that the law is fully in effect, um, and, you know, it's really not going to impact a lot of people. Well, that's the other thing to remember. So it's blown up that, you know, everyone's health care coverage is going to change and all that. And, in fact, really, if you, for the most part, if you are covered through an employer, um, your coverage hasn't changed at all uh, because of the law and won't. So I think that yes. some of the confusion will start to go away. Uh, yeah. I'm, you know, there are, there are a lot of problems. I mean, there's obviously I, I'm a big believer in the fact that people should not lack health coverage because they're poor. I also think the idea that you could be turned down for health 
coverage because you have some sort of a pre-existing condition that we were talking about, and it can be as simple as something that happened as a teenager. Um, and um, to me, that's just out, just not tenable. Uh, but that doesn't, I think there are a lot of things in the law that need to be fixed, and a lot of the partisanship around the law um, have made it impossible to do the normal fixes that happen when you pass big laws like this. I mean, the typical for Congress, I mean, I can say this having worked in Congress, uh, Congress tends to um, operate much like, uh, I like to liken it to a college student. They wait for the last minute to do everything because <laughs> big laws at 3 in the morning, there are lots of mistakes in them because they pass them at 3 in the morning and then they generally go back the next, you know, when Congress reconvenes and do what's called a technical correction. So they've never done that with the law. So there's a lot of inconsistencies. There's a lot of things that really do need to be fixed in it. So I'm very hopeful that now that some of the, um, um, shall we say, misinformation that has been out there is starting to kind of dissipate and the fact that people are realizing that their lives aren't going to change so much that maybe we can actually go and fix the law and fix some yes. of the problems that really are legitimate in there. Yes, 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 I think that's, uh, and I, I would hope that that would be the case as well because we know that there are certain parts of it that have to remain because otherwise this thing would just fall apart. I mean, right. one thing does depend on other things yeah. in order to work. But some of the technical things, I think, at least from the media buzz, one hears so much about the fact that, oh, well, I've got coverage now, uh, for pregnancy and I'm 70 years old. Um, you know, one would expect that probably some of those kinds of coverages that make no sense for people of certain ages might well be uh, modified. And that, I think that is that kind of what you're talking about with some of the specifics? I, I completely agree. And... Um, um, there are other things in the law. There's a lot of inconsistencies in the law. Uh, you know, there, there's... Uh, so I, I really do hope that they go in and they uh, work to I improve it. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. when you do things like that, one of the things you pointed out is absolutely right, Marjorie, is that it's, it's kind of like a stool. You start to pull a leg out and it won't stand. Um, right. And, and, you know, and that, that's true with lots of things in this world. You know, that they're in a inner working pieces, and if the, you got, they don't, don't, they're not all there, then, then it won't work. Uh, one thing I do think that has been good um, about the law overall um, is that it, it, it's, for, it's offered transparency to people about what, what um, health insurance actually costs, so it's not just the people who are individuals who are covered by... Um, covered by individual policies, you're also seeing it with employers. Um, if you work for a big employer, you'll notice that there's a new box in your W-2 form, and it tells you how much uh, your employer paid for your health insurance last year. Well, I think that's really important because, you know, many people don't realize that you know, maybe they pay 50 or or $100 a month towards the health insurance. However, um, um, their employer generally pays 80% of it. I don't think have any idea how much health insurance actually really costs. Yeah. I think it's good. I think it's a very good part of the law that people now get to see that. Yes. Oh, that is really an excellent point. 
that there's a transparency. And I think that what that means is it's like a family. Everybody watching the household budget together would mm-hmm. presumably make people more aware and thus more careful with the way dollars were spent. Is, would you say that's a, a logical thought to say? Uh, or to you, you would certainly hope that would be the end result, Mark. <laughs> and I can't tell you for sure, um, uh, but you would certainly hope that that would be the end result. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. Well, that's great. Well, this, this has been, as always, incredibly informative. Is there anything I haven't asked that you can think of, John, that would be helpful for our caregivers today and their families? Um, you know, I think we've covered so much of this over the years. I, I think mm-hmm. that we really have touched upon most of it. I guess one of the things I really want to emphasize, if you are uninsured and you want to see if you might be eligible for coverage, um, you need to make sure you do this before March 31st or else you will be locked out. Um, yeah. and so I think that's a very important thing for people to remember. Uh, you don't want to be in a situation where you got too busy, and I, I understand we've all been there. Mm-hmm. And you don't take advantage of this and then something bad happens to you. So uh, I think that you know, I, I encourage people to do that yes. if, they, yes. if, they're, if they're not insured. And maybe and, and a the, good first step, uh, it sounds like, is to go on healthcare.gov, uh, look around for the information, look for these 10 qualifying mm-hmm. events. Um, just g- get yourself more armed with information and do it sooner rather than later, but then make sure that you've done something by March 31st. Absolutely, absolutely. And healthcare.gov does work now. So you, you can actually go on there and do what you need to do. I agree. And I loved your tip about, you know, don't just look at pricing. That, uh, there's a huge temptation to do that, but don't just look at pricing when you go on, on the site. Yes, thank you. That's actually yeah. a very important point. I'd like to just reemphasize that, Marjorie, yeah. because many of the, the less expensive plans have what are known as narrow networks. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, the way they get the insurers get the price down is they, they have much smaller networks, and so they may not have your doctor in it. You may want to go to a specific hospital if you get sick. It may not be in there. So please also check. Be very cautious. Make sure that you choose a network that has the services you want. Great. And ask for help if you're unsure about uh, dealing with the website on your own and looking at all these options and permutations, be sure to ask for help. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you so much, John, for your insights today. Um, uh, We at eCareDiary.com are certainly planning follow-ups with John to this show here in the new year, and we'll do so as we get important information uh, for you as caregivers perhaps after the March 31st deadline, and then we'll begin looking forward to the next steps uh, for the Affordable Health Care Act. So thank you to our listeners. Thank you, John, so much, as usual. My my pleasure, Marjorie. Thank you so much for having me on the show. You're very welcome. Um, This is Marjorie Pabst. Have a great day. Bye.